Welcome to Voicing Startups, where I, Colin Bournes, interview founders and operators changing the world through audio, voice, and conversational technology. This week on the Voicing Startups podcast, I'm talking with Pat, founder and CEO of Espressive. Espressive redefines how employees get help by delivering exceptional employee experiences. This is accomplished through Barista, Espressive's virtual support agent, which brings the ease of consumer virtual assistants like Alexa or Google Home into the workplace. Recently, Espressive announced a $30 million Series B investment round led by Insight Partners. I hope you enjoy this week's episode of Voicing Startups. Hey, Pat, thanks for coming on the Voicing Startups podcast. Yeah, thanks for having us. Can we just start with a quick background of yourself? Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I uh, I'm, I grew up as an engineer um, and, and really back in you know, quite some time ago, really felt the passion to go and start a company. Um, at the time, uh, this, is, uh, this is a time when Wi-Fi was was really largely unknown. And I, I built one of the first enterprise Wi-Fi startups that ended up um, ultimately being sold to Cisco. Um, and then, uh, and, and it, over time, found myself to a company called ServiceNow. And, um, and one of the things that I really enjoyed about ServiceNow is that we were really helping, or we were attempting to help employees get help, whether it's help from IT, help from HR, help for payroll, what have you. Um, and, and, um, you know, and fundamentally what I felt was that the, pro- that the way that the problem was being solved was, 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 was wrong. Uh, it wasn't right. And, and, you know, as I'm sure that you've probably used some of these conversational chatbots in your consumer life, maybe using, you know, maybe with an airline or, or perhaps with your credit card or what have you, you know, and fundamentally for these things to be successful, you have to focus on the experience. It has to be a great consumer experience. And so, you know, for me, it's one of those that when I, did my first startup, you know, it, startups are tough. <laughs> They're tough both, uh, both emotionally and physically. I told myself I'd never do one again. Um, and, but the cool thing about this problem is that um, it, it, it was eating me inside. And I eventually left ServiceNow and it just kept, it, 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 was, it just kept festering inside until I got to a point where I realized I actually had to do another startup because I really felt that this problem had to be solved. And so here we are now, we're at Espressive. It's been three and a half years, almost four years now, and it's, it's been phenomenal. Yeah, could you give uh, just a little elevator pitch of, of what Espressive is, what you guys yeah. do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, out of curiosity, um, have you ever been in a situation where you have an IT problem, a payroll problem, you know, maybe an HR issue, and you don't really know where to go? Has that ever yep. happened to you before? Yeah. Yep. Well, you know, it, and it turns out that the bigger the organization, the more complex the problem is, right? So if you're working for a 500 person organization, you probably know that Mary is the HR person. So you know to go to Mary. Um, but when you get into an organization that has 5,000, 20,000, 100,000 people, um, you have people spread out all over the place and they actually don't even know where to go to help. And so they're going through the internet, they're, the intranet, excuse me, they're trying to find all these answers and it's, it's time consuming. And in, in the end, it's actually taking time away from their core, their core job. And that's one of the reasons why when people have an IT problem, technically they could probably go to Google and do some level of research if it's not you know, something very specific to that organization, but people have day jobs. And so they, realize, they feel like this is an IT problem. So they, they, they just send an email or they just call IT because they need an immediate answer. 
And so what we do at Espresso is we help employees get immediate answers to their questions, whether it's a problem related to IT, so with your computer, your phone, a software, whatever it happens to be, um, an HR issue, a payroll problem, maybe you're in sales and you have a question for sales operation. Whatever it is that you have as a question, our job is to leverage AI and automation to try to automatically resolve the question or the issue. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it makes perfect sense. And you know, uh, when I was looking on your website, you uh, described uh, the services of virtual support agent with uh, the Espressive Barista. Um, you know, there's there's other you know cons- popular consumer devices like you mentioned with with voice assistants like Alexa and Google Assistant, things like that. Could you maybe define a little bit more um, the distinctions or, or what exactly a virtual support agent is? Yeah. So. So a virtual support agent is, 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 actually has multiple different functions. One of them is to provide you with an answer. So you have this conversational AI interface that you can ask it a question, you get an answer back. Maybe it takes you down a different path. So if I said, for instance, if I said something very specific, like, you know, I need the WebEx plugin for Outlook on my Mac. Okay, great. It knows exactly what to provide me. But if I said something a little bit vaguer, like I just had a kid, we now have to take that user down a different path and try to get to the point of really understanding what the question really means, right? So there's that piece of conversational AI. The other part is really about taking a pretty complex business process and creating a a visual representation in an automated fashion. So let me give you an example, right? So let's just say that um, I need to get access to software. Right. So I'm going to say I need to get access to SAP as an example. Now, that may, in fact, require a bunch of automation behind the scenes. It may require my manager approve it. It may require, um, you know, some provisioning on the back end or or from an HR perspective. Maybe I need to be onboarded as, as an as a new hire. And that would actually fire a whole bunch of automations around creating, uh, you know, a bunch of accounts for me in IT, perhaps launching the I-94 process to, you know, to validate, sorry, not I-94, but the process to validate that I'm actually legally allowed to work in the U.S. All of these things are all generally paper processes or manual processes. So a virtual support agent can take a lot of these manual processes and automate them as well. Got it. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, uh, I want to dig into the the product, and I think a good way to to understand um, really the value and 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 what you guys are doing is to look at the the problems that Espressive is is solving. So, could we talk about um, some of the different problems that you guys are are really trying to uh, solve for your customers? Yeah. So let's just look at it from a from a pure IT perspective. So CIOs are spending somewhere between seven and fifteen percent of their budget on on the help desk, and these are you know these are, are people that are answering the phone every day. They're dealing with a lot of very repetitive questions, right? How do I do this? How do I do that? And then they're dealing with some much more complex issues, right? That require a fair amount of time to to resolve. Our problem is our our sorry. Our task is to automate a lot of the low-hanging fruit. So people are asking about password resets or how do I do this in Teams or whatever that happens to be. Um, So we solve that problem. Now, it turns out that after one of our customers has actually been deployed, they're seeing automation of somewhere between 40 and 60. We actually have some customers now seeing about 68%, but automation. So imagine now that you're an IT shop and you've got this help desk 
and all of a sudden 60% of inbound calls are fully automated. You now have a whole bunch of people in IT that can start focusing their efforts on, 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 on projects and tasks that are a lot more valuable to the shareholder or to the organization. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and you know, to, to better understand that that problem as well, um, what are sort of like the the best practices today, or um, like what are what are you competing with? I guess uh, how much like just to better frame up um, yeah. your solution versus versus yeah. what's out there. Absolutely. So if you think about the the competition, for me, the competition is largely build it yourself. So we have a number of customers that have tried to build it themselves. They could have maybe used uh, um, an IBM Watson as, as an example. There's a, you know, there's a variety of different tools out there, maybe Google Dialogflow, or even ServiceNow has a virtual agent that you can use as a framework. And, and you can basically build your own. Now, building your own virtual agent um, is more than just having a bot ask you a question, how can I help you? The biggest challenge is not that, the biggest challenge is training the bot to understand all the different permutations of every possible question that an employee could ask. Now, if you're looking at this from just a pure IT standpoint, right? There's thousands of applications. There's tens of thousands of different types of things that people may ask about an application. And then you have devices and so on and so forth. And so one of the big challenges with organizations as they're looking at how do I build it my, myself is how do they train the virtual agent or the chatbot to understand all the different permutations of every possible phrase. So let's take a very specific example of, you know, I need to reset my password. Now, most humans are not quite that predictable. Very few people will just say, I need to reset my password. Some people will say, I woke up this morning, made myself a coffee, sat down and found myself unable to log into the system. And so, you know, when you think about something like password reset, there are tens of thousands of different ways, or probably even more than that, ways that people could actually express that need. So the biggest challenge with most solutions out there that we compete with is people trying to build it themselves, but they can never get to a point where they can actually train their virtual agent to understand an, enough of the English language to really provide a great experience. And that's why most customers that try to build it themselves come back to us because they realize that what they're shipping require their employees to, to be very specific in how they're asking questions. And that is something that really turns people off. And I'm sure you've had that experience just from a pure consumer where you, you went to one of these chatbots, you asked a question and it completely misunderstood what you said. And so we can't afford that. We can't afford to provide an experience that will turn people off and lead them to pick up the phone again. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And, and you, you, you mentioned a few times here in the discussion, um, specifically chatbots. Um, I'd be curious to know the, the interface for Espressive. Um, is it purely a, a chat interface or is there other sort of conversational um, interface components to it? Um, what, what sort of offering uh, do you have with, with the service today? Yep, so our philosophy is if you wanna maximize adoption, you have to meet the employees where they are. Now, we do have an awesome app that's available on the App Store, it's available on the Google Play. Um, we even have a, a native app that runs on a desktop 
And, you know, because what we've heard from our customers is that Marion Finance can't seem to remember the URL to a portal. So, you know, so it's easier for them just to push out a native app. But of course, we have a web interface. And so all of these different apps do have a component, which is a conversational AI. There's more to that because, you know, for us, if you're an employee and you're asking a question that leads to perhaps some kind of a ticket behind the scenes in HR and IT or what have you, you have to have a way to be able to manage, visualize, and interact with those tickets. So there's a whole app around that, how to manage your requests and how to initiate new requests. So there's one, that's one piece. Now, realistically, there, you know, as I said earlier, we have to meet employees where they are. And if Marion Finance has been sending emails to the help desk for the past 20 years, we have to be able to ingest those emails. So we also have what we call an omni-channel approach. If, 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 if the help desk has an existing email address, we can basically redirect that email to our virtual agent who will start responding to emails to deflect things coming in for emails. If somebody picks up the phone and calls an agent Barista will get involved. If, if the organization has embraced collaboration tools like Microsoft Teams or Slack, Barista has a presence on that as well. So for us, it's about surrounding the employee and making sure that every communication channel going to the help desk has a way to get intercepted and deflected. And that is the only way that we can, that we can guarantee to our customers that they will get high adoption and high degree of, of deflection. Yeah, and, and uh, you mentioned um, some use cases around IT specifically. I'd be curious to know um, if there's any other sort of interesting use cases specifically around the, the IT space and then also um, any other verticals. Uh, I know um, just from some research that I was looking at that you've also defined HR and sales as potential interesting areas. I'd just be interested to know any other um, use cases of the, the Barista product. Yeah, we're, we're, we're um, so within IT, uh, you know, we're really solving the whole IT problem. So whether it's an application problem, whether it's a device problem, whether it's a, you know, I'm having an issue in a conference room. So all of those different types of issues that somebody could basically call the help desk and raise their hand for help, we will essentially uh, inter intercept. But outside of IT, as you said, there's a number of different use cases that we do address. So you already called two out HR and, and sales operations, but beyond HR and sales operations, you know, we have support and, and deployments in, in core finance, you know, people asking things like I need to get a, a new purchase order or what is up with my purchase order. Um, payroll is another example. We have um, customers that are connecting us to their travel desk. You know, um, you know, how do I set up? How do I what is the travel policy? I need to get a ticket or whatever that happens to be um, expense reports. Um, you know, I have questions around marketing collateral. I need to get an event scheduled. Um, anything that an employee could ask, essentially, we want to be able to intercept. Yeah, that that that's interesting. Um, so you mentioned that that one of the problems that uh, I guess competitor, one of, I guess your competitor being uh, build your own solutions, um, and and. I guess the, the company's running into issues with actually making a, a pleasurable experience for their employees. I'd be curious to know, so are you really just trying to understand that specific, um, I guess, conversation of what do customer, how do customers talk or how do they communicate when they have different issues that they need to be solved? And then that can be applied to many different industries or do you need to have a lot of, I guess, industry specific, like IT specific, HR specific, um, understanding or, or data 
um, to make these uh, conversational experiences work. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And so it's a combination of both. Um, so first and foremost, um, across the farm, across all of our customers, we have an architecture that is um, that really lends itself well to learning. So let's just use an example here of, of the consumer world, whether it's Alexa or, and I'm sorry if everybody's devices just lit up, um, <laughs> or Google Home. But, um, you know, when, when you think about it, the reason why those tools have gotten better with time is that they have millions of consumers using it on a daily basis. And then behind the scenes, those organizations have armies of data scientists and computational linguists that are responsible for essentially tuning their engine based on what they see out there, whether it's new content, new things people are asking or, or failures, right? Or, you know, false positives. And so that's how they work. The problem again is there's no single organization or single enterprise that has enough data to, to, to be able to deliver the kind of service that Amazon and Google have done, or even Apple for that matter with Siri. So what we've done is we've replicated that model where you know, we have to deliver a very secure um, service to our customers. We have uh, customers in the finance space, in, in healthcare, we have them in government. Um, so it has to be very secure. But we do have a way where whenever somebody interacts with our virtual agent and something is either misunderstood or is not understood, we have a way to, in a very secure uh, fashion, to get a fully anonymized version and scrub version of that initial in interaction. And that allows us to learn. And once we learn, all of our customers benefit. So if somebody, for instance, this actually did happen, and I, I, it's not the best example, but it's, it, it is a little bit of a comical one. Somebody asked whether they can wear a kilt to work. Um, Barista didn't know what a kilt was. Um, so we got notified, we fixed it. And now if anyone ever at any organization that's using Barista asks about kilts, we will know that that's a piece of clothing and it's probably likely related to some dress code question. And so, um, but that learning process has allowed us to get from an environment where Barista literally didn't know anything uh, over two years ago to over 750 million different things today growing by tens of millions a week. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. And you know, that, that brought up uh, sort of a, a side thought um, a little bit uh, more along the lines of the, the consumer voice assistance and insecurity around that, that voice data. I'd be curious to know like your sort of opinions or, or outlook um, as it relates to all of that, that conversational data that, that Amazon, Google, um, Apple, they are tracking. Do you, what do you think is the best sort of approach to make sure that that is handled in a, I guess, private and, and secure fashion? Yeah, so our customers own their data, right? Every one of our customers have their secure environment. Any one of their employees asking a question, they own the data. Now, in the event that we get something wrong or we didn't understand something, uh, we actually have an algorithm to go and strip out a bunch of data things like project names, people names, it, it, it is fully anonymized. So by the time we get it, we don't really even know where it came from, nor do we certain, we certainly don't even understand what happened after that. Yeah. Um, and so that has really given our customers a level of comfort in providing us with that data. So th th it is an opt-in. Um, we don't have anyone that's ever opted out because they feel comfortable with the way that we're, we're managing that. Yeah, that's, 
that's uh, definitely important. Um, and you know, one of the, one of the things that when I came across as stressive that that really caught my attention was your adoption rates. Um, I saw that it was eighty to around eighty five percent adoption and reduced call desk volume of around forty to sixty percent, and that's compared to around ten to fifteen percent adoption for for similar services from your your competition. Yeah. Uh, I'm really curious from those data points where are your customers really seeing the the value um, that they're actually adopting and, and engaging and using this technology versus those, those other numbers that are so drastically different? So let's just use a, a, an example that's rather current. You know, unfortunately, with what's going on with the whole work from home mandate, there's a lot of organizations out there that had a large segment of their population that has never worked from home. These are people that are probably still working on desktops and now they're being required to go work from home. These are people that may not even know what a VPN is. And so what we've seen with our customers and what we've heard from the prospects that we've been talking to in the past three weeks is that the number of calls that have come into the help desk have in some cases more than 250 increased by more than 250%. Wow. So now, now we've got a situation where people are, you know, confused, not sure what to do, and wait times, call like call call wait times are over two and a half hours. So you can imagine how frustrating this is for you know for 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 an employee who now is sitting in front of a machine that she has never or he or she has never seen before, and has to figure out how to actually get their work done. So you know, in the case of COVID nineteen. You know, what our customers have actually seen is that this, this kind of a service, this virtual agent, is a great alternative to picking up the phone and waiting for two and a half hours. And they've actually seen the adoption in, in most of our customers. We've seen the adoption plateau during, you know, dur- during that time because it is so much easier to get, you know, to get an answer. And you know, I think what happens is a lot of organizations out there try to staff their IT teams to be able to provide a great service. I mean, that's just that's just what they do, right? But when you get into situations where, like what we've just seen, there really is no alternative, right? You need to find a way to start leveraging automation because you can't, there's just, there's just not enough time and there's not enough people to handle the kind of inbound calls that they're seeing. But what this has also done is it's actually started causing a lot greater awareness to, to the general population within those, within, within those organizations that there are alternatives to picking up the phone. And, and, and so, so I think this has been great for everyone. Our customers are actually you know, seeing great deflection rates. They're, actually, they're not experiencing the, 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 in, the flux of inbound calls that are coming in, which for a lot of these organization, organizations have allowed them to redirect their efforts to do things that are much more important. So let me just give you an example. With one of our customers, when they actually, when this whole work from home mandate had it occurred, they had to go out and get their hands on virtually any laptop they could. They could. They had people go to the Fry's, Best Buy, you name it, and buy whatever equipment they could and start provisioning it and shipping it. Now these were devices that were not standard. They were not the corporate standard. They they couldn't even run the standard corporate image on them, right? Because they were not a standard device. And so, but this freed up all these resources to be able to essentially mobilize their whole organization. So something like, you know, like, like a barista allows an organization to tap into automation, to free up a bunch of people to be able to do things that have more value. 
Does, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's super compelling. And I was, I was thinking of, about that, um, you know, once we started dealing with some of this uh, work from home and, and all the different questions around that, I, that was the first thing that sort of popped in my mind. I was like, man, those, <laughs> those call lines have to just be getting absolutely hammered. And, and what a good opportunity for um, tech, like you guys are developing to kind of step in and, and provide a really valuable service. Yep. And the fact that with our employee language cloud, which is where we, you know, which is that service that understands 750 million things, you know, by the time the pandemic hit and the work from home mandate came, all of the language around, you know, what do I do if I need to work from home? Should I be isolating myself? You know, all those questions that people are asking, some of it are IT related and some of it are more, you know, more of the HR and, you know, anxiety and so on. Uh, it kind of go down that path. But all of that phrasing, that understanding was already built in. So that was great for our customers because out of the gate, as soon as it happened, they were able to very quickly rotate, add content that was very specific to their organization and essentially leverage that automation. Yeah, and that, that makes a lot of sense. And it's also a good segue, I think, into um, talking about your your most recent uh, round of financing, the, the $30 million Series B. And you mentioned the uh, employee language cloud. Um, I know that that was part of uh, sort of your, your plans um, on continuing to build that out with this raise. But could you talk a little bit about uh, what your plans are with this most recent rounds of round of financing um, going forward, yeah. So um, I was super excited that we 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 uh, we got Insight Partners to participate, and in fact, the co-founder of Insight Partners is on our board. Insight is one of the largest VC and PE firms out there, with over twenty billion dollars under management. So very very large. They got great scale. They have access to resources that are just phenomenal for a startup. So I was super excited. Um, so $30, sorry, $30 million. Um, really the goal here is, 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 is a couple of things. One of them, of course, is we need to double down and just keep, keep building the best product that we can. We're really focusing on, on, you know, enterprise customers, right? So these enterprise customers have, um, very large, uh, large user bases, large, um, number of applications and things that they want to integrate Barista into. And that, puts the onus on us to just keep building the best product out there. The second piece is really around the go to market. And that's a big one for us because, you know, up until we got to our series B, you know, our ability to go reach out to customers was fairly limited, right? But now this is a time for us to double down, really increase our overall marketing spend to make sure that there's awareness of what Barista and Espressive actually is and have salespeople that are geographically distributed to make sure that we can actually get you know, get, get as much of a footprint as we can. Yeah. And you know, my, my assumption, um, is with the, with this deal, um, obviously conversations take a, a few months or a few weeks, sometimes a few months. Um, I'd be curious to know, um, how have your plans, I guess, changed or, um, how has your outlook changed, uh, with the, the whole coronavirus, uh, situation that we're out today is, I think it's April 15th that we're recording this. Um, I'm just curious if your plans have changed at all, um, given everything that's going on. Well, um, you know, I think we saw, we ended up seeing a little bit of a, um, you know, an impact as you could expect um, when everything hit. You know, there was a couple of weeks when people sort of got distracted. Um, but interestingly enough, we ended up getting some deals closing in March because people recognized what they were going through 
and, and automation was really the only way out. We are now at a point where people are re-engaging. So people are getting back to sort of a new normal. It's not the old normal. It's definitely a new normal. But in a very different world where now they're seeing this type of a solution as being a core part of their business continuity plans. Because whether it's COVID-19 or whatever's next, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a pandemic. It could be, you know, a natural disaster, whatever that happens to be. You know, they, I think our, I think the market is starting to realize now that they need to have a better way to be able to tap into automation to, to again, to free up people to do things that are in, in the, in the middle of these types of events can actually do things that are very critical to keeping the lights on to the organization inside the organization. Yeah. And, and you mentioned that, that new normal, and, and obviously it's so hard to predict or, or guess what that new normal is going to look like. But one thing that has definitely been, um, for, I guess, forced upon people is this, this whole working from home, uh, situation. How do you think expressive is positioned, um, for a future where working from home might become, uh, more and more ingrained into our, our, I guess, new normal. Yeah, well, I think for us, um, it, it is great for us. We're, we're, we have a tendency to deal with organizations that are fairly um, geographically distributed anyways, just because of their core size, right? Yeah. And when people work from home, they have, they, they're very well connected to their team because I think a lot of um, managers and leaders out there have done, has done, have done, excuse me, a very good job of leveraging a lot of tools like Zoom or what have you to, to uh, you know, to keep the, the team spirit uh, alive. However, it creates a little bit of a divide between the employees and the core services outside of their team, right? Whether it's finance or payroll or, you know, HR or what have you. And, and so, you know, again, having something like, like a barista just makes it easy for people not to have to understand the complexity of the organization and where do I find answers? And the other problem is, when I'm working in the office and I have a question, I have a tendency to tap the shoulder of the person next to me. But when I'm working from home, there is no, no someone next to me. So, um, and so that's, you know, that, that's one of the big differences and, and it's really gonna create a bigger demand for automation. Yeah, su super interesting. Um, as it relates to the, the higher level sort of audio voice conversational AI space, I'd be curious to know um, what gets you excited looking into the years ahead uh, what, what gets you excited about the space? Well, the I mean, the conversational space, for me, it's all about continuing to build the best and the highest accuracy possible. And we've got a phenomenal team that's, we're building our own tech. And the stuff that we've been building just blows my mind. Every release, and we release on a, on a monthly basis, but every release, my mind just gets blown with the, the innovation that the team has built. On the voice side, you know, we're, we're, we're not quite there yet. Um, we want to go there. Um, you know, one of the big challenges with, with voice is in a corporate environment, when you're working from home, it's a little different because, you know, you can basically speak freely. But um, a lot of the types of questions that people are asked, you don't necessarily want to be talking to a bot. You know, <laughs> hey, how, you know, how do I reset my password? Oh, please enter password now. You know, that's a little, that's a little awkward. And so um, voice, to, voice to text is appropriate. Um, but um, a pure voice interface is a little clunky when you're trying to do things that are fairly complex. And I'm sure you've, you know, you've probably experienced some of those when you're dealing with uh, one of those uh, um, automated uh, telephony systems, right? You know, where you got 15 different options. And so it's a little bit overwhelming. So that's one of the things that we have to, to focus on. The second piece, and I say this because I have some personal experience, um, is that 
a lot of these voice interfaces don't yet work well with heavy accents, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I just happen to have, you know, my wife is Asian and, you know, she gets frustrated with, uh, with Alexa all the time, you know, and she doesn't have a strong accent, but her accent is such that Alexa doesn't quite get it. And so that leads to a really poor experience. So for us, because we focus on the experience a lot, I really want to make sure that we can address that problem before we release it. But we have um, released uh, capabilities in our tool to allow uh, employees to, inter to interact with Barista in their native language, you know, whether it's a Latin-based language like Spanish, French, you know, uh, or perhaps German or Chinese or Japanese. So we have we are providing people an ability to interact in their native language. Now, what we need to do is figure out, you know, how do we actually start embracing voice support? Yeah, definitely work to be done there. Like you yeah. mentioned, specifically with the the different languages and, and struggles with that. Um, but super interesting uh, perspective and, and different things that you guys are working on. And I'm really excited to see where um, everything goes with your most recent round of, of financing. Um, really, really like the product and, and enjoyed the conversation that I had with you. I think the listeners are going to really enjoy this one. Uh, where's the best place for the listeners to uh, follow uh, what you guys are working on? Or, or maybe if they're uh, a potential customer reach out to you guys where's the best place to find all that good stuff yeah no absolutely well obviously there's our website so espresso.com um but you can follow us on linkedin as well um so espressive has we have an account on linkedin or you can follow me directly pat calhoun and we do tend to publish a lot of the innovation that we're coming out with and some of the events we we do have a lot of events in fact we have an event next week where we'll have a customer that will talk about what their world looked like before during and after the pandemic um, and so this is really, this is what I call sort of, you know, in the trenches kind of conversation. So we do have a lot of those. We also have um, um, a lot of CIOs that we're connected to that, that do great interviews and great, they write blogs and they post it on their website. So that's what we call the CIO Perspectives um, series in, in terms of what they're seeing and what they're seeing with their peers. So there's a wealth of information out there in terms of um, you know, how automation can help organizations that I, you know, I, I, I uh, welcome anyone to go and take a look. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Pat, for coming on the Voicing Startups podcast. Great. Thanks again, Colin. This podcast is sponsored by Voice Punch VC. Voice Punch is a venture capital fund that is focused on voice-driven and voice-connected technology. So if you are a company or an entrepreneur that has a product that is in this sort of space, much like a lot of the different companies that I am interviewing, then you should reach out to the team by going to voicepunch.vc. 